Hello, and welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up in less than one week, we are talking with students and postdoctoral researchers who will be attending the meeting. Thank you for talking with us today. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, thank you for having me today. Um, My name is Zoe Lipke. I'm a fifth-year graduate student at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon, in the lab of uh, William Messer. Um, And can you tell us a little bit about um, how you first became interested in science and, uh, I guess, subsequently virology? Okay, so um, I don't have a, like, a wonderful story where I was a young child who looked into a microscope. I'm a little bit jealous of people who have those stories. Sound really awesome. Um, I was a little bit slower to get into science. And um, funny, as a teenager, I thought I was really horrible at science. And that kind of discouraged me from pursuing it. Um, I say it's funny now, because as a, a, you know, aspiring scientist, I think as long as you're curious, and um, persistent, you can be successful in science. It's really as long as you have that curiosity. Uh, so it was a little bit later for me. Um, I thought I was going to pursue a career in um, exercise science or sports medicine. And so I was kind of going down that track. And along that track, there's a lot of uh, biology classes you have to take. And it was really when I was nearing the end, I was probably two semesters or so away from graduating, when I kind of had a, a freak out moment and realized, I don't think this career path is for me. I don't think I want to do uh, patient-centered um, work. What am I going to do? Um, and so I figured, well, I'm going to keep getting this, this degree. I'm just going to get a degree in biology. Um, and I ended up taking a class um, to graduate, and it was um, a histology class. And I think that was kind of the turning point for me where I thought, oh, science is actually interesting. Um, up until that point, it had just been like doing the traditional um, labs for um, that are required for the core classes, and none of those were terribly interesting, and it was kind of just following steps and um and nothing really stood out as being interesting. And histology was uh, the teacher kind of taught us the basics and then said, hey, here is, you know, you have all these resources, um, go out and do your own project, do whatever you want and, um, and, and have some freedom with that. And I found that really um, exciting and interesting. Um, and so after that class, I, I approached that professor and asked if I could do some, um, some research with her. Um, keeping in mind, she was teaching a histology class, and I found that interesting. So I thought, well, this is going to be what research is like. Um, and that professor, um, Doria Bowers, she actually ran a um, vector biology lab at the University of North Florida. And so I ended up joining her lab for um, just a semester of research and doing um, work with mosquitoes. So I learned how to rear mosquitoes and blood feed mosquitoes um, and things of that nature. So completely opposite to what I thought I was getting into but found it really interesting nonetheless. And so I decided um, at that point, maybe research was something that I wanted to pursue. Um, I just graduated, but didn't have enough research experience to be able to really take the next step um, and apply to any, any program. So I, I stayed a year in her lab and I did some research um, and I found that really interesting. We were looking at um, um, viral persistence in the mosquito host um, using Simbus virus so a prototype alpha virus. Um, and I found that incredibly interesting, decided to um, pursue a, a master's degree. So my master's degree focused on 
um, uh, viral persistence in mosquito hosts, comparing two different mosquito vectors, um, Aedes aegypti and Aedes albopictus. And uh, at that point, I was pretty much hooked. Um, I realized that research was for me. I really liked the, um, the flexibility, kind of the, um, I'm a very self-driven person. I really liked being able to kind of push my projects um, and myself as hard as I wanted to. Um, and I also liked the kind of the teaching and the mentoring aspect as well. And so after that, I decided to go on and uh, pursue my PhD. So can you just finish up that last thought? So you decided to pursue your PhD? Yes. So at that time, um, I was really interested in um, arboviruses and kind of the host pathogen interaction. And so I applied to, um, to labs that that was their specialty that focused on um, arboviruses of some sort. Um, and I ended up coming to um, OHSU in Portland. And um, I was really interested in the work that um, Bill Messer was doing. He was doing a lot of work with dengue virus. And I, I found that really um, interesting and exciting. And it seemed like um, I was finally working with, uh, you know, a real, a real virus, not a, not a prototype virus, but something that actually has um, affects humans and affects humans in a really real and big way. Um, and so I ended up um, joining the lab and coming into it with a background of um, doing quite a bit of mosquito work and then just some classic um, virology, you know, a lot of plaque assays. Um, and my project ended up being very, very heavy in, in immunology. So I had a, a really steep learning curve and lots to learn. Um, but again, just kind of jumped in and found it really exciting that I was learning new things. And, and um, I liked the uh, kind of the real world applications of it. I liked working on a project that felt very um, translational and felt like uh, something that could eventually um, make a difference. Can you tell us a little bit about your lab then? So uh, number one, sort of when you got to your institution, how did you actually end up choosing your specific lab? And then kind of what it's, what it's like, you know, the size, graduate students, postdocs, what's it like to work there? Right. Okay. So when I first came here, like I said, I was, I was kind of set on, okay, I want to, um, I want to continue this work in arbovirology. I really want to work with flaviviruses. Um, Dr. Messer was, um, one of the people here that was doing that. And so I kind of immediately honed in on him um, at my institution. And, you know, it seems to be common across other institutions is that everyone has to do rotations. And so I set up my rotation with Bill and I was pretty convinced, okay, this is the one I'm going to join. Um, I'm going to do other rotations too. And I'm, I'm really glad I did that because it really exposes you to a lot of different techniques and a lot of different um, types of projects, uh, different pathogens. And it's also just really a good way to to meet new people and to kind of start those early collaborations. And so after I did my other rotations, uh, another thing that I think was really important that it taught me is uh, what I was looking for in a mentor and how important I thought that would be in um, my uh, success in graduate school. And so in addition to liking the work that Bill was doing, I really um, found myself really liking his mentoring style and thought that this was something that uh, would work well with me and that would help lead to a successful graduate career. So that's definitely something that um, I encourage all people when they're looking at joining a lab is make sure that you 
and your mentor are on the same page in terms of mentoring style. Because um, as we all know, there's you know some PIs that'll be right there in the lab, looking over your shoulder, helping you out the way. Others a little more hands off, and, and you really need to find um, the, the relationship with your PI that works best for the two of you, or else um, you're just going to be struggling your entire time. Um, and so that was one of the big reasons why I uh, chose chose the lab I chose in addition to um, just finding the research exciting. And uh, Fortunately, I, I built really great relationships with the other PIs that I rotated with and um, have been able to do some collaborative projects with them as well. So I think that um, that also worked out to be overall a very positive experience. Um, when I joined the lab, I was the first graduate student. Um, the lab was very small. It was just myself and a technician and then uh, my PI, who is also a uh, clinician. So he splits his time between um, seeing patients in the hospital and um, working in the lab and writing grants and such. Um, and so the lab was small for the first couple of years, and then we got another graduate student. And um, we've since grown a little bit more. Now we have two technicians and um, still the two graduate students. Um, so it's still a, a smaller size lab, um, but fortunately we've been able to collaborate with a lot of um, neighboring labs and also labs outside this, this institution. So um, overall, a really positive, positive experience. Right, great. So can you tell us a little bit then about the research that you have been doing, sort of the types of experiments, and then maybe what are some of the main findings? Okay, sure. So my project um, originally started, I mentioned that it was a really heavy immunology project, and that was, that was something uh, new for me. And so in the Messer lab, we have um, a human cohort. So we have a, a traveler's cohort of individuals who travel to endemic regions and been infected with um, an arbovirus of one kind or another, either a flavivirus like dengue or Zika or um, alpha virus like chikungunya. And so we have this cohort of subjects. Um, and so my project, um, was focusing on interrogating the B-cell um, specific um, immune response to these viruses um, and specifically focusing on memory B-cells. And so when I initially started, my focus was on developing methods for interrogating antigen-specific memory B-cells, um, specifically to dengue virus. So for that, um, I had two approaches. So one was using a fluorescently labeled whole virus and using that as a probe in uh, flow cytometry. So it would flow um, PBMCs from individuals who'd had a um, dengue virus infection. And along with different antibodies, um, that would help us differentiate different cell types and then this fluorescently labeled dengue virus. And from that, we were able to identify population of cells that um, recognize dengue virus. Um, and from that, I was able to show that that population was specific and I did that in two ways, one by just single cell sorting those cells and then stimulating them in culture. The memory B cells become antibody secreting cells. And then I can harvest those antibodies and uh, look for binding to my antigen of choice. So um, sorting and stimulating those cells and then doing an ELISA and seeing that they are indeed specific to um, dengue virus. So that was one way. And then another way 
with taking those same population of cells that we see uh, binding to my fluorescently labeled virus and sorting them and then downstream putting them through the 10X genomics platform where the cells are initially pooled. And then when they go through the 10X genomics, they are at that point, single cell partitions. And so each individual cell gets encapsulated in this lipid capsule with a bead um, and all the enzymes needed for reverse transcription and then a barcode so that we're able to track the, um, the individual memory B cells further downstream, um, create a library, and then from there um, sequence um, and clone and express those monoclonal antibodies and show that they are indeed specific to dengue virus. So that is one approach um, that I developed in my kind of um, early, early years as a PhD student. Um, the other approach is uh, limiting dilution assays, which was developed by uh, Mark Sliska about 20, 20 so years ago. Um, and for this approach, we take uh, either PBMCs, the whole blood cells, um, or you could enrich for your cell type of interest. And then essentially you're just plating them on a 96 well plate, starting with a high concentration and just performing serial dilution. So you're diluting out your cell type of interest. And then um, non-specifically stimulating these cells in culture. So after a week, uh, those memory B cells have become antibody secreting cells. And now we can assess um, those antibodies' ability to bind to whatever antigen you're so the beauty of this approach is that it's non-specific. So every memory B cell is going to uh, respond and secrete the antibody it is programmed to secrete. And then I can do downstream ELISAs to look for antigen specificity. So by this approach, I could look at up to 10 different antigens that I'm interested in. So that's the beauty of that approach. And from that, we can, um, we're one, we're directly assessing um, the functional um, either binding capability or neutralization capability of these memory B cell derived antibodies. And we can also back calculate uh, frequency of those antigen specific memory B cells. So because these memory B, uh, antigen specific memory B cells are so rare, it was really nice to have two complementary approaches um, to identify these populations of interest. And so initially my PhD project focused on interrogating the dengue one specific memory B cell population in our travelers cohort in Portland, Oregon. So these are individuals who travel to endemic regions, become infected, but ultimately reside in the Pacific Northwest where there's no flavivirus transmission. And then comparing that to a population of individuals that we have in um, Ponce, Puerto Rico, who live in an endemic setting and um, are in a setting where there's frequent transmission of, of flaviviruses. And so being able to take my approaches and compare and contrast these two different populations of individuals to see how, um, how durable um, the magnitude and the breadth of these two responses are in these two distinct different populations. And so that, that was my project and that's where I was when uh, the pandemic happened, which kind of shook things up for, for everyone. <laughs> Um, and so it was at that point that I kind of um, shifted and was able to apply the same techniques to different pathogens. So I've taken the same techniques of identifying antigen-specific memory B cells and um, applied them to SARS-CoV-2 
And then recently, I'm also working on a collaborative project where I'm applying those same techniques to looking at um, alpha virus specific memory B cells. You were saying that this work um, is, uh, is some of this work in the preprints that you were discussing? Yes. So my preprint um, discusses my work with um, SARS-CoV-2. When the pandemic first hit, um, I already mentioned that we have human cohorts um, looking at flavivirus and arbovirus infection. And so when the pandemic hit, we started um, recruiting subjects who were um, infected with SARS-CoV-2 and kind of a, um, starting a, um, a COVID-19 um, biorepository. And so it was with those samples that I was able to interrogate the memory B cell response. And this is the, um, the data that's in the, the recent preprint. Um, and in our, in our cohort, we tried to broadly recruit individuals. So individuals who were hospitalized uh, with a severe infection and also uh, individuals in the community that had a milder infection or even an asymptomatic infection. So what I did here was I took CBMCs from individuals who had a, a broad range of disease severities. Uh, I stimulated them in culture, like I've already described with the limiting delete, and uh, was able to identify um, SARS-CoV-2, both RBD and um, also S1 specific memory B cells in these subjects. Um, interestingly, we, did, we also did um, serology on these subjects as well. So looking for the presence of antibodies in the serum. And now these come from a, a different um, population of B cells. These are long-lived plasma cells that reside in the bone marrow. It's distinctive from um, memory B cells, which circulate in the peripheral blood. And the interesting finding there was that in individuals who had a mild or an asymptomatic infection, oftentimes we weren't able to detect SARS-CoV-2 specific antibodies in the serum, but in all the individuals we tested, we were able to identify SARS-CoV-2 specific memory B cells. So this tells us that um, even in individuals who had a mild or asymptomatic infection, they did generate an immune response that seeded a population of antigen-specific memory B cells that are poised to respond in the event of repeat infection. Cool. Um, so you sort of alluded to it, but um, I guess what has the last year and a half been like for you? So obviously you sort of switched and um, kind of the science that you were doing, but what, what's it been like personally for you? I would say that the last year and a half, it's, it's definitely been like a roller coaster for me and I'm sure everyone else as well um, as a scientist and as a human. As a scientist, I feel like there was times when felt very appreciated um, by the general public for what we were doing and what we were trying to figure out. And then other times when you felt very underappreciated um, or, or misunderstood. <laughs> um, so that was, that was really hard. Um, but overall, I would say that, um, one, I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Um, I mentioned that we started um, recruiting subjects into, into our COVID-19 biobank. Um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate for that because when everything else was, was shutting down, I was able to still come in and um, I was processing uh, samples from these subjects at like six in the morning. So it wasn't ideal, but just being able to still work with my hands and come into work every day and do something that felt meaningful um, when everything else was kind of shut down and so many of my fellow grad students and, and um, faculty at the institution were stuck at home and 
really weren't able to do anything, even if they wanted to. So I, I really felt fortunate that I had something to um, keep me busy throughout all this stuff. I think that that really helped, um, certainly with um, my mental health, just being able to come to work every day and have something to do that felt uh, like potentially uh, making a difference. Um, and I guess, uh, personally, sort of how have you dealt with the, um, the changes, I guess, in lifestyle? So you were able to continue working, but obviously we've had sort of restrictions on movement and things like that. So how has that been like for you? Right. Um, yeah, definitely as a, as a human, it was, it was a rough year. Um, also, uh, parenting in the pandemic was something that was, uh, a big struggle for me. Um, but I would say that finding solace in, in everyone, every time you join a, a Zoom meeting and everyone has crazy chaos going on behind them or everyone's apologizing for, for noise. And it, it kind of had that realization of we're all going through this together and, you know, we're all struggling, but it kind of just brought us all to the same page of um, just, I felt like a general understanding and compassion for one another. So I really appreciate, um, appreciate that that came out of the pandemic. What are your plans for the future? Are you still interested in sort of pursuing an academic career as a postdoc? What are your plans? Yes, I am um, interested in um, pursuing a postdoc. So that's definitely next steps for me. Um, I am open to either um, academic postdoc or postdoc in industry. Um, I'm really interested in continuing this um, investigating the human immune response to um, viral infections, either uh, response to natural infection or response to um, vaccines. And so I think that um, now is now is the time. There's a lot of exciting work going on and I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully have a part in it. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Backright. Thanks for listening. Thank you.